What is up, internet? You're with us again. Black guy, white guy in the studio. And before we get started on this podcast, I want to say, give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Also, listeners, thank you guys for bearing with us while we talk to you about our sponsors. If they weren't important to us, if we didn't believe in them, we wouldn't mention them. Before I get into that, I just want to say this is a very special podcast, somewhat timely. We decided, hey, you know, these are some topics that are in the news right now and some things that you guys need to hear. We want you to hear, not just because it's, you know, good entertainment, something that is timely and in the news, but, you know, we're going to go over some stuff that maybe sparks something in your mind, maybe has you do something that saves you or somebody you know and or makes you have some preventative measures that really kind of change, help, and mold your life for the better. So before we get into that, I just want to say, please check out our sponsor, 180 Carpet Cleaning. Jeremiah, this guy's out here, former business owner with a couple other businesses here in Omaha, and he said, hey, I want to start a company that is my own, and he's out there and he's doing it. That's 180 Carpet Cleaning. This guy has a number of corporations around Omaha working with him because he is the best for the money. If you're a private individual and you have an incredible spot and you're cleaning your own carpets, don't make that mistake. Spend barely, barely more. Have Jeremiah come out and do it. I know for a fact that he also does the all organic carpet cleaning. That's kind of hot. Some people dig that. Hey man, they don't want uh, non-organic chemicals on their carpet for their baby to be crawling around on. You know, that's not my thing, but if it's yours, shout at Jeremiah at 180 Carpet Cleaning. Best way to get up with them is get on your cell phone, click Safari, click Internet Explorer, whatever you got, and type in 180 Carpet Cleaning Omaha in the search engine. It's going to come up, 180 Carpet Cleaning, it's going to say call. Click call, it's going to come up another box, click call again. Next thing you know, you're going to have Jeremiah on the phone setting up the best carpet cleaning in Omaha. So you get with him, you guys make it happen. I will now let you, my man Elliot Harris tell you what he's got going on. That's right. So what I have going on is what my good friend Jeff Gearing has going on with Mercury Builders and Contractors here in Omaha as well. You've heard of mention him before, uh, and it's a great tandem, or a great segue, I should say, to talk about right after Jeremiah at 180 Carpet Cleaning. Uh, you know, in a world of competitive contractors, one stands with a higher standard, and I just say one, stands with a higher standard for quality and management with nearly 40 plus years, that's 40 plus combined years of experience in the construction, home building, and remodeling area. Hey, that's Jeff Gearing, Mercury Builders and Contractors. I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. They have some great villas that actually have just built, uh, been built up in the western part of Omaha. If you're from Omaha or Iowa, you know where that's at. If not, you wanna definitely check them out. Again, just like Kate said with uh, 180 Carpet Clean, the best way to get in contact with uh, these guys is go online, okay? Go check them out, uh, go online. Go online at Mercury Builders and Contractors. Okay, that's Mercury Builders and Contractors. Find them, Google them, uh, and definitely let Jeff Gearing know that Elliot W. Harris and Pate G. Smith, that G stands for gangster, uh, let you know about the immaculate work that they do on building you a new home or the constructions they actually have around town here uh, in the Omaha metro area. Again, that's Mercury Builders and Contractors. Last but not least, Elliot, please tell us what you have going on. I know you're DJing about a million spots during College World Series, so if you can drop those, because I mean, honestly, like, I want to go to some. That's so. cool. That's cool, man. And for sure, yeah, we're, again, this is going to be a timely podcast, so it should be in your area within, hopefully, this, is it going to go drop this week, man? This week. Awesome, this week. All right, so for that being stated, this week, I'm going to be out and about in town, uh, for sure, down here in the metro area. 
we have the College World Series. So if you're from Omaha, you're from Iowa or any surrounding communities, you definitely are going to be in the downtown Omaha area. If you are from out of town, you should be in the downtown Omaha area. If your team is out here, uh, definitely you want to come out here to Nebraska and represent. I will be on, um, I think on my dates here, on June the 18th. That's June the 18th. I'll be at the Blatt uh, Beer and Table. That's the North uh, location, Black Beer and Table upstairs. Uh, I'll be opening up uh, myself and then I'll also be tag teaming DJing with uh, DJ Shift D, a uh, good friend of mine. We go back like uh, Pity Pat, and so definitely uh, he invited me in. So we're going to do a tag team session at the Blatt. That's going to be a, a night session. Uh, definitely going to be the opening weekend here. It's going to be June the 18th. The following day, you know, we gotta keep it going. The following day, we're gonna be doing brunch. We're gonna be doing brunch kinda late. I really don't even know what time frame brunch really starts in life. But um, from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., doing brunch at the Tavern. That's on 10th and Jackson, on the corner of 10th and Jackson in the Old Market again. We'll be doing brunch there. We're gonna have uh, specials, mimosas, we're gonna have Bloody Marys. So there's gonna be food trucks as well. Uh, and we have some awesome food trucks that are gonna be ready uh, and willing to serve you guys out there in front of the uh, the Tavern. Again, that's on 10th and Jackson. That's gonna be the next day after the Blatt, and that's gonna be the 19th. And I'm gonna jump full, full ahead and say uh, the last week, you know, whoever the actual finalists in the actual College World Series going back to back are gonna be the 28th and the 29th. The 29th is a question mark. That's if we have that second game. But the uh, 28th, for sure, I'll be at the Slowdown. The Slowdown is right across the street from uh, the stadium, the TD Ameritrade Stadium. So definitely check me out. I'll be in the Beer Garden, and I'll be going all night, and I'll be going in between the innings, innings as well. So that's going to be downtown, the Slowdown. Uh, that's on the 28th, and then the 29th, if that game does pop off, I'll be there as well. And check out a lot of my Make Believe recording crew out there as well. DJs, Kethro will be out there uh, doing his thing as well. Uh, we have Doja Rock, I'm pretty sure he'll be out there. And we have much more dates coming up here in July. So I had a lot to say there. Sorry to blast you with all that information, but uh, let's get on with the show. Users want to hear, our <laughs> listeners want to hear, you know, what you have going on. <clears throat> Go out and meet, meet Elliot, man. Tell him, hey, listen to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Elliot might have some black guy and white guy swag with him. And if he does... He's going to give that to you. I like how he says it because I probably won't. So I'll just be giving you the clothes <laughs> off my back because Pate said that. So I'll take my shirt off. I'll give you my Nikes. I'll probably wear some special Jordans that day. So you'll probably jack me for my Jordans. But it's all good. Uh, it's all love. Uh, we just want to appreciate you for listening to our show. Uh, we're, we're going deep into this. Uh, what, this is our third. Well, not our third. Which one of the episodes is this? This will air the third. This is about our seventh recording. Right. It's our seventh recording. But it's going to be the third episode. we got to jump on this uh, topic. So without any further ado, let's start the show. Have you heard the joke about the one time a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio and made a podcast? The podcast of Omaha, Nebraska, with hosts Elliot W. Harris and Pete Smith. This is a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio. System activated. Awesome, guys. Welcome to Black Guy and White Guy. Walked into the studio. Like I said, we have a special guest with us to hear. Mark. Mark's been on before. You guys haven't heard him. That's just because we haven't dropped that podcast. But with some of the news and timely issues that have happened, we said, hey, we've got to get this guy back in because when they came, they dropped an incredible message and definitely something that we wanted to hit on a little bit more hard with the Orlando shooting 
Um, obviously, you know, I kind of feel bad having, you know, I don't want to podcasting opportunities by a tragedy or utilize a tragedy for this opportunity. But I definitely thought to myself, I was like, man, you know, I have a voice and an opportunity here and I have an individual <clears throat> that, you know, can speak, you know, to the various issues that surround when there's a live fire situation. I mean, that's what this guy's job is, is teaching people how to protect themselves. Um, Mark is a former Marine, now works for Tactical 88. Yep. Is that correct? Yep. And they teach individuals how to conceal carry. They teach companies how to have the individuals that work for them survive a live fire situation. And if I could say anything, if you're a person out there in Omaha, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of my people listen to this podcast, please spend the $70 or however much it costs to have these guys teach you how to survive. Why not? We spend, you know, that's like one night at the bar for you and your wife or something like that. Plus an Uber. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and get these guys. How do we get in touch, Mark? Tactical88.com? Um, yep, just go to the website, Tactical88.com. We have uh, all of our classes on there, and uh, you can kind of filter through all the classes and see what kind of fits um, the lifestyle that you have and things that you might need. So, so let's get into it. With the shooting that happened, I mean, what, what was the first thing you thought as a person that's job is preventing... Uh, having individuals prevent such a mass shooting? Um, well, first I looked up all the details of it and uh, kind of looked through how things like this could have been prevented. For this one, it's a tricky scenario. Uh, you know, people who conceal carry stuff like that and want to defend themselves, it's hard because you can't carry in places like nightclubs. Bar, yeah, bars. It can't carry at bars. So then you have to look at the security of the bars and who they had posted around. From what I saw, they were in their closed-down mode. Mm -hmm. um, one of the security agents actually was a former Marine. Uh, I read a story about him. He saved about 60 or 70 people uh, by letting them out the back door. Uh, so quick thinking on the scenario, in the situation by him. Um, but unfortunately, he was in the back of the club. Uh, so that was all he can do for the situation. But, you know, uh, places that have mass quantities of people like this, sadly, they become targets. Um, we call them soft targets. Somewhere where you know that there's going to be hundreds of people, there's going to be minimal security, and there's going to be nobody there who's carrying a gun that could stop you in a scenario like that. So Right. And with that being said, it was, what, 300-plus in this club uh, mm -hmm. this night? And I only can imagine the, the mass hysteria that was uh, occurring in that at that time frame and i heard that the standoff was roughly what roughly three hours mm -hmm. three hours long yep. uh that's a long time you know uh some people hid in different areas in the club fortunately you know there was some issues where you know there was a, a group of people that were hiding in the bathroom uh and nobody in that situation made it out you know there's a lot of text messages that went out to parents that i was reading on the internet and uh we'll, we'll kind of address that here moving forward in the conversation but you know this conversation is going to go uh you know really deep in the fact of the matter knowing that you know we all have you know our thoughts we all have our opinions when it comes to scenarios like this you know and the internet lit up Oh, you yeah. know, I was uh, DJing that night, again, tag team DJing with uh, DJ Shifty, and I saw a, a good friend of mine say something about Orlando, just a really small text across on Facebook about Orlando. You know, you DJ, you get out of the, you get out of the uh, bar scene or wherever you're at around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, depending on you know, your location. But um, I was like, what is she talking about Orlando for, you know? Didn't see anything else about it, you know, went to bed, woke up, and then it was just a Christmas tree of, uh, or excuse me, back up, I'll say a plethora of information that I saw flood the internet, especially Facebook and, you know, Twitter, Instagram probably uh, were on the same level, but really focused on Facebook. And everybody's 
and everybody has these would have, could have, should have scenarios, mm-hmm. scenarios that come up when you say this. And everybody's attacking each other, you know, across the board. Watching Obama speak on uh, the actual air about the situation and having Donald Trump tweet about what he should be doing and what he should be saying before the man even gets a chance to say anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, oh, he should, ask for a resi- he should ask for a resignation right now if he doesn't say this. Who's ever prepared for these type of situations, you know? And then at that same time frame, this situation trumps the last, you know, incident that we had, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, so this is our, our new thing right now. This is our new horror story here in America. You know, you instruct people how to survive these situations every day. Looking at this situation, what was the best instruction to give those individuals if you would have been able to? So, unfortunately, that situation is, is a very difficult one because you're in a, from what I read, the, the nightclub's very open area, which is one of the reasons why he chose that because there's not a lot of places to hide. But we look at this and hindsight's always twenty twenty. Mm. Um, there were a lot of people who did a good job. They hid by playing dead or covering themselves up with bodies. But the way we teach um, these active killer scenarios is run, hide, and fight. So you're going to run. A lot of people did. They got out doors, windows, wherever they could. Then you hide. So hide somewhere like a bathroom. The problem with what I saw next, and it's this is difficult to say because we, we're talking about people who have now passed away, but you have to be prepared to fight in that scenario. With the people who are sending texts, I'm going to die, all this stuff, you need to be starting to prepare yourself to fight that situation, not just hide in the bathroom stall and sit there and wait for death. Okay. So how do we do that, man? How do we prepare? So you just have to kind of look at the situation you're in, try and barricade the bathroom door with anything, your bodies, your feet, um, a doorstop that you might find in the bathroom, garbage cans. You know, there's five or six people in there that you could have ripped the door off a stall and wedged it under the door or anything like that. Then from that, or belts, belts work good uh, for lassoing doors and uh, time to something, you can keep them shut. Then, now that you're barricading the door, you're being proactive, then you gotta prepare yourself for when they actually do come through the door. You got to prepare yourself to fight. Pick something up. I mean, rip, rip a hand dryer off the wall or something, and use it to bludgeon with. You can't just sit there and wait for death. I mean, you know, you're either going to go down fighting or you're going to die anyway. So you might as well try to go down fighting. So that's what we teach people is uh, how to. Every room and door and everything's going to be different. So what we just tell people is how to <clears throat> maybe disorient the attackers so that way you can get a p- bunch of people jumping on them and kicking them and stuff like that. And, taking him down and getting his weapon away from him. One thing I found interesting that you said in the past when you and I were talking was that when people begin to fight back or an area is barricaded, the individual usually goes to the next area because it's they want those soft targets. Exactly. Um, we, we saw that with the uh, Virginia Tech shooting. What we saw was, you can look at the, the statistics from each classroom that was, um, he walked into, I think, five different classrooms. You know, the classrooms that made no attempt to barricade their doors, the classrooms that um, made no attempt to do anything, uh, they had their casualty rating and then their, so when I say casualty, I mean people that are injured and then people who died from their injuries were incredibly high. Um, There was one classroom who heard all the commotion and a couple people in the classroom got up and they barricaded the door with desk and everything that they could. And he came up to the door Tried to get in, shot a couple rounds through it, couldn't get through the door, kept went on to the next classroom. They had 100% survivability in that classroom and zero casualties. There was another classroom that he attacked, 
and then came back five minutes later, they made no effort to advance their situation by barricading the door or anything like that. Mm. So their casualty and survivability rating went way, way down. Another classroom that he attacked and then re-attacked, they had barricaded the door after his first attack. So then their survivability rating went through the roof because they had barricaded the door. They made some effort to save themselves instead of just hiding under their desk and doing nothing proactive. In these scenarios, it's difficult because people aren't used to being under stress like this. They don't know what to do. They don't have any kind of training. They think, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to hope. Well, we say hope is not a strategy. Right. You can't trust on hope. Right. The world's not all sugar candies and plum drops. You know, right. you got you to gotta be proactive. You got to do something for yourself. And, and, so, uh, and I'm sorry to chime in on that. It's kind of funny you say that, uh, not to bring any communicable satire into this conversation but yeah there's a difference between hoping and wishing you know mm -hmm. you know you're like i wish somebody would try to come in this classroom exactly. or i wish somebody would try to confront me versus oh i hope nobody oh mm -hmm. you know i hope yeah i hope this guy's a nice guy. yeah it's that whole stigma of how you see yourself uh in that type of situation right the stress is it's a killer you know and it, i it think drop you down to your knees or it can raise you up. My thing is like why I wanted to bring Mark in is because, you know, if we can have one person tell their uh, direct reports at work, hey, we need to bring these guys in. Maybe that makes a, you know, chance that Mark and his crew can come in and teach the individuals at your work how to survive. And I mean, personally, I think every company here around the U.S. needs to have these people like Mark's company, you know, maybe you're not in the Omaha area. I know that we have, you know, listeners all over the country, and I see that we even have listeners in Saudi Arabia, and for some reason, right. a lot of people in the Netherlands and Belgium, which wow. thank you guys for listening. I'm not sure how you heard about us, but awesome. We do appreciate that. Thank but, you. you know, and it's also tough for us to sit here and throw out percentages of individuals who survive because what we're doing is you know not making light of their death but definitely want you to pay attention how do we when we're in this scenario you know survive this you know mark i i wouldn't wouldn't mind just like you know saying hey here's a couple scenarios and possibly you know what would be mm -hmm. the best way for the individual to survive so like if you are in an office building you know on a floor several stories up what do you suggest like one full of cubicles you know that's a common scenario that most of our listeners are gonna be faced with a building that has a ton of cubicles kind of open space you know first run if running's not an option or we go to hide how, what do you suggest you definitely have to find somewhere to barricade yourself in we see uh in the class we show um videos of people who hide and unfortunately they don't pick places that are very advantageous for themselves they hide under desks under tables um we have a film clip from the columbine shooting mm. of students hiding under tables that's not a hiding spot you, you know that's not something that can protect yourself or anything like that and unfortunately you know some of these students died because of that you have to take advantage of your situations find a closet find something uh to hide in and then once you're there you need to like i said you need to prepare yourself for the inevitable he's going to come in this door what am i going to do am i going to sit in the corner and hope right. or am i going to grab the fire extinguisher off the wall and make a fight out of this make that's him right. work for it that's right make him wish that he never came into that room you know, you know so i mean tear the doors off 
under the sink, whatever you can get. Right. Just, you know, we talk about survivability rating like it's a statistical rainbow six. Mm-hmm. But when you get into that portion, yeah. that point in life, you know, you're literally fighting for your life. You have exactly. the choice of, am I going to do something where I get to see my loved ones again or am I not? And mm-hmm. put the chance where I don't take, you know, my life and what's important to me in my own hands. Um, and, you know, kind of going off of that, you know, you mentioned earlier that you can't conceal carry in a bar, but, you know, I keep seeing on the internet and, you know, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Green Party individuals like my friends all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. You know, everybody's pro-gun, everybody's, you know, against this pro-assault weapons ban, etc. But, I mean, honestly, like, this is a scenario where none of these bans or laws really come into effect. The, he legally bought these guns, which is, you know, what we see a lot with these shooter scenarios, or they, you know, they illegally buy them, legally buy them, it doesn't matter. The big issue is that they're, this one is a little weird because it's a nightclub, mm-hmm. so, you know, you're not allowed to drink and have a gun on you. Right. Just makes sense, right? Right. But um, there should be uh, bouncers there that are allowed to carry, um, stuff like that, but you're not allowed because you're not allowed to be inside of an establishment that gets 50% of its revenue, more than 50% of its revenue from alcohol. Can you if you are a, if you hire off-duty police officers? Uh, yes. Okay. So, so. And then, so then another, one of the other problems is everywhere you need to conceal carry, you're not allowed to conceal carry. Give me an example. Schools, colleges. You can be an off-duty police officer and you are not allowed to conceal carry inside of a school. Uh-huh. Whether it be a college, anywhere. Um, only uniformed officers are allowed to be there, which is a little ridiculous to me. Also, uh, military bases, which sounds kind of weird, but you can't conceal carry on military bases. Military bases are just like everywhere else. Just because they're a military base doesn't mean that everybody's walking around with their M4 on their back or their pistol on their hip. All that stuff is locked up in armories, which actually makes military bases ideal places for attack, and they have been attacked. Right. Because... They have their own police force on the base. The MPs, and they, yeah. And they, and they have their own SWAT teams. So if something happens on base, it's just like if it happens out here. You still have to get a response from the police that have to come and they bring their SWAT team. They call them SRTs and they come out and they take care of the scenario like that. Um, churches, you're not allowed to conceal carry. Wow, I did not um, realize that. Unless you get permission from your pastor. Mm. But I know, or whoever the leader of your church is, I know... And is that like a written now? document or something like that? Or uh, how does that work? That's law. But um, do you, I mean, do you have to get a written document from the pastor? Wow, what is... So what they do is they put together... Um, now what we're starting to see is they'll put together security teams for their churches. Wow. So they'll actually have people in the church that they have... People who have come forward and be like, I'm going to conceal carry in church. All right, cool. You're going to be part of our security team then. And you're just going to come to church like normal every day, but you'll conceal carry. So, um, do you have you guys worked with any churches? Uh, we have had um, pastors and priests and stuff come in to get their concealed carries actually before. So that you know, how do you feel with you know last podcast and it's going to air probably about five days after this one airs mm-hmm. with you and Tim, um, where we come in and go over a couple of things. I'm not trying to go over the same stuff, but right. I really wanted to. <clears throat> hit these topics but you know how do you feel personally about the um you know you being a former marine you working in this field do you think it's too easy for individuals to get firearms 
you know, in today's. I'm 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 in a weird common ground with it because I'm not a gun nut. You know, I don't own thirty thousand different guns, and I'm not over the top with anything. I believe that we should be able to own guns for our own protection, for hunting, for anything you want. You know, I own an AR-15. But you've also been trained by the U.S. government in how to operate. So that. it's you know it's a little different, but I do believe that it is sometimes a little too easy to uh, purchase a gun. One of the things I think needs to happen is psychological testing, right, right, for for gun ownership, uh, which is incredibly difficult if you think about the things that need to happen for that. Mm-hmm, you would need sure. to go to a psychologist, get signed off, go to a doctor, get signed off, all these things. Um, and your psychological state can always change. Right. So just because you got signed off one time doesn't mean you're good 20 years down the line. Well, right. you look at com- countries like Germany, and I'm not going to speak to their gun laws, but I can mm-hmm. speak to something like their driving laws, where every three years you have to go back in and get reassessed. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, you know, we've kidded on the podcast before, and joked about, you know, me just getting a new home and how we had to get Jeremiah from 180 Carpet Cleaning out there. But to get that home, it took about 50 days and tons of paperwork it does. It to happen. But I mean, my thing is, like, that's just me getting a home. I think if you want a gun, you should be able, you should have to jump through some hoops. I also feel if you want some kids, you should have to jump through some yeah. hoops, you know. That's a big uh, yeah, right? Like, I need that one's kind of but, awkward. But, I was yeah, thinking okay. about it because I was like, wow, I was like, I can bring two lives into this world. And there's that legitimately no, not only very little paperwork, but also if I can't afford to pay for the birth, like, the government will then help me do so. And I don't want to really get into this train because I understand those that are less privileged than me (coughs) and they need to be able to. But sometimes it feels like we have the amount of paperwork and the amount of restrictions in place in the wrong places. one One of the big things for me is being the concealed carry in places where I know I'm most vulnerable. Like I go to UNO, I would like to conceal carry a class. But I can't because people feel uncomfortable with it. Um, and I've kind of learned that with the littlest knowledge to people who have never dealt with guns before, they'll kind of swing the way of my thinking with, okay, ma- yeah, you, you know what, you bring up some good point. Maybe we should be allowed to conceal carry class. I, I uh, Last semester I had to do a public speaking class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to do surveys before the class. And I did mine on why we should be able to conceal carry handguns in UNO, why the policy needs to change. And um, I took a survey before the class, 14%, only 14% agreed with me that we should be able to conceal carry UNO, but those 14% had prior history with shooting, stuff like that, guns. The other percent did not. They had no prior experience with any guns and they hated guns, they didn't want them in school. I did my presentation, then took another survey it bumped up to 90%. Wow. That we're like, okay, you know what? You brought up a lot of good points. Maybe I want to sign a petition, but I would definitely talk about it, sit down, think about these things. So uh, I think that you need to, we need to open the doors to concealed carry in more places like this. But the laws for getting your concealed carry and stuff like that, you need to do psychological testing and stuff like Make that. Make it a little bit more difficult. I completely agree. I, I think that once you, if you made it harder to get these things, but then once you do get it and you prove yourself that you're allowed to do it, you should the door should open to you more and you should be able to conceal carry in more places. Right. I agree with that. It should be harder to receive 
these type of privileges than than most others, right? First and foremost, when it comes to concealed carry. Mm-hmm. And then uh, again, you just mentioned this uh, through the the class and the actual speech that you did, or the um, it was a speech, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. That a proper dialogue put right behind the message, you mm-hmm. know, helps broaden the mind, right? The mindset as far as oh well, maybe it's not so bad after all because I'm I'm hearing this from somebody who's trained, mm-hmm. who's been through you know scenarios where you know they know how to handle themselves mm-hmm. correctly and properly with weapons. I'm more inclined to look at, you know, still carry being a, a more open policy, you know, within UNO or, or wherever mm-hmm. the actual establishment might, establishment might be. You know, with a, proper, with a proper dialogue, that really helps, you know, push the whole message forward, I believe, you know, on all fronts, point blank, period. So I have, so, I have a question go in ahead. relation to that because it's interesting that you mentioned it. Because you are a semi-staunch Democrat. Yeah, yeah, and, and and again on that level, I I have never I've only shot a gun once, man. I only mean, shot you a can gun. change that. I know, and it's, it was I know, right? We're gonna make that happen, and it was cool. I I really liked it. It was at um uh, down in the one of the our what do we call national parks that we have right. here in Nebraska, uh, and my my then father father in law was the guy who was running the park anyway. So dude, he's like, yeah, come out here, shoot your rifles. Mm-hmm. Cool, we did that. It was uh it was it was enlightening. I liked it. It was cool, man. Uh, I couldn't see myself just having it sitting in my house for no reason, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Like, I bought me a gun, have all this ammo. What am I do with all this stuff? Yeah. I have friends that uh, actually have a lot of guns in their homes, you know, uh, and they're locked up and they're safekeeping. But at the same time, it's like when that zombie apocalypse comes, I know it's going to be awesome for you to have all these cool weapons. But other than that, dude, I mean, what are we going to use these for? So, I mean, what if someone comes into your house, though? Yes. And that's another thing right there. You know, uh, I have a, a very uh, young and, and awesome nine-year-old daughter. So that's another thing that kind of kills me, you know? I mean, do you, I, do you teach her gun safety? Oh, well, I don't have a gun in my home, first and foremost, personally. Okay. But And so that's one thing. But... Uh, like, her, here's a big thing now. Go ahead. Does she go to other people's houses that have guns in their home? I think she probably does. You know, I mean, because our family... Go so ahead. So you need to teach her gun safety. Okay. Because what we see a lot is not people having problems in their own home with guns, but people having problems in other people's homes that have guns. Ah. Uh. Because you don't know what their gun policy is at home. She might... You know, someone could go... If I had a kid and he could go to someone else's house and that dad's just like, yeah, whatever, we keep our guns out on the table. We don't care. That's how our house is. Mm-hmm. If you've never taught them gun safety or they've never been around guns or anything like that, that's where a problem comes in. And, so, and during that conversation, you're saying mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, have I taught my nine year old daughter gun safety? I'm like, man, hell no, I haven't taught her gun safety. She's a girl. She's nine years old. But in just that dialogue you held with me, I got to thinking about the things that she she's she's into and things she watches you know with me and when i'm not around as well and my daughter is a, a princess all day you know she's in dance she's very good at it and she hangs out with a bunch of girls as well and they're all into that foo-foo girly stuff that girls are into but at the same time frame you can watch my kid catch my kid uh watching you know x-men civil or excuse me not x-men i apologize about that <laughs> captain america civil war uh, you know, Winter Soldier, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, it's gun violence heavy in all those. Do the Star Wars thing, you know, lifesavers and lasers. So she's aware, you know, she's mm-hmm. really aware of that. So that takes me back to that conversation you just said, you know, you should teach her gun safety because it's not your house. It's somebody else's house. Exactly. That I they know. can be really comfortable with keeping yeah. a Barbie and a Tech 9 on the actual you coffee know, do, table, do you, you know? you play with Nerf guns and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, we, we play with Nerf guns. Yeah, uh, I mean, who doesn't do that, what, right? What we teach is um, once they show interest in any kind of gun or anything like that, you need to sit down and have a conversation with them. 
and the, you know you don't have to own a gun to have the conver- to to have the conversation. You can just say if you're ever at a house, you ever see something like this or whatever, you know, just let them know this is not a toy. Nerf gun is a toy. This is not a toy. This can kill someone. This is fun. This can kill someone. They need to know the difference between those things. She's nine. She's not dumb. She can tell the difference right. now. But at younger ages, you know, three, four years old, that's not always something. And uh, that's not always something that they know right off the top of their heads. Right. So we always tell people that once they show any kind of interest, just immediately show them. Immediately have a good conversation. Because it's like, you know, you have a daughter. If you hide something from her, what does she want to do? She immediately wants to go find that. Right, right. You know, so hiding stuff doesn't help. Um, showing they're not dumb. Kids aren't dumb. They'll, they'll listen to you if you actually sit down and have a talk with them. I know, like, my family. I'm so glad you said that, too. I mean, you're right. Kids are not dumb. Yeah. And if you really People take a time out to explain not yell at them, they will actually give you reprocity back and take exactly. time out to listen, too. So, I like exactly. what you said. I know, that. like, my family had a lot of hunters in it growing up in Alabama. And guns were around uh, mostly for hunting, right? But occasionally there are some in, I guess, strategic places for home protection. But at about six... I can remember my mom and my dad and my uncle, you know, my granddad, you know, all having these conversations with me. I want to say by, you know, 12, I had my second firearm, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all for hunting. Um, Now I don't own anything that's not mostly used. I take that back, cancel that. But (laughs) a majority of my um, firearms are that. And I'm not like a big firearm owner, just, you know, kind of the necessities. Like I don't keep. I hardly keep any ammunition at the house just because basically what's left over for from the day mm-hmm. that I would have used, would would or should have used, you know, in whatever hunting scenario I was maybe in. Two, I you know, with the girls, I mean, that's definitely going to be a conversation I have real early because it's like, why not? Why not mm-hmm. be proactive with this? Yeah. And um, you know, kind of changing topics. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was. It seems to me that these tragedies, and I mean, I almost feel like we're using it as this, and it kind of bothers me because I'm like, wow, I'm having a podcast about this topical situation, but it's... That's what, a- that's what our whole job is based off of, unfortunately, is tragedy. You know, we see a big influx of people come in wanting to take these classes, and all it is is a learning experience because, you know, something happens to people, you know what, that can happen to me any day. All right, let me go get some training. Let me go get my CCW, stuff like that. So it is a tragedy, but you have to look at it as a learning experience, too, and take that and, you know. Yeah, I think we can learn the tragedy. The question we start having to ask ourselves is, like, are we going to let this happen to us? Um, my, my whole other thing, you know, go, go ahead, Elliot, because I'll, I'll get back. No, back. no, I, I agree, man. Um, you know, are we going to let this happen to us? I noted that you mentioned something, I believe, was it on Facebook uh, regarding your daughter's? Uh, when this tragedy came down the pipeline, that was actually or was about that the, uh, the, the Stanford rapist? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I digress. You're not, you're That'd good. be a different conversation. But you know, once again, it comes down to you know the tragedy that happened, you know, this past Sunday, and then how do we deal with it? And a lot of times we we find ourselves deflecting, you know, and we're not really taking the objections off the table, but we're meeting them head on, meeting them head on, and diluting the waters when it comes to the real issues at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my point in case is, um, you know. 
I can kind of digress from the, ahead, the guns. Uh, as you know, on Monday at the University of Missouri, you know, they held an on-campus vigil uh, for the Orlando Terrorist Act. For the Orlando Terrorist Acts. Uh, you know, the tragedy touched everyone across America, obviously. Uh, in an effort to show support, the vigil at Mizzou was supposed to be a peaceful time. Uh, but, uh, where everyone can come and, and gather and talk about community. But at one point, and there's a video of this, uh, online, at one point, uh, one of the, uh, speakers kind of broke into a, a different type of, um, chant, if you will, as far as she's on stage. She's like, wow, I, I didn't expect to see this many, uh, white people there. I think that's what she said. Uh, yeah, right. And then Avery kind of, kind of snickered and, and laughed. Like, I didn't expect it. I'm kind of nervous because I, I didn't expect to talk in front of this many white people. And then she kind of breaks that little monotony by saying, it's not a joke. You know, I expect you guys to be here, you know? And yeah, exactly. Your face right there, Mark, yeah. is kind of like how I would have been out there in the crowd too. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Again, Orlando tragedy happened on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. Uh, and she's talking on Monday and there's everybody there, every color. Uh, a majority was white, uh, but other races were there as well. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to make it into a totally different issue when it was supposed to be about community and unity. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what your sex, race, or politics are at that time frame. And she made it directly pointed towards a, a race issue and kind of like, you don't understand and let me go into this this rant. Now, she didn't get that far into it, per se, because there's some people in the crowd that started to uh, really show their uh, displeasure with mm -hmm. the comments she was making, like way far back in the crowd. And it was a two male couple. It was a, it was a two gentlemen, actually. And you find out later on in the actual video that they were, they were two. It was a gay couple, two males, and they were gay. And they were just really upset about how this how how there was an agenda for this whole mm -hmm. uh visual you know which went totally out of context we have so much to say about some things that we don't understand and the way we do that is with what we have in our hands right now our phones you know our computers uh you know via text uh snapchat facebook instagram whatever you want to call it everybody everybody is on their political diatribe or excuse me on their political rants online or wherever else you can find them but catch them out in public and incidents like you know i'm not gonna say like sunday but incidents happen where they where they you know back up simple fact of throwing rocks at glass houses and hiding your hands how about yeah. that we'll say that yeah throwing rocks at glass houses and hiding your hands that's what i see a lot of happening on the internet mm -hmm. so everybody's a, a pro and knows what should have happened and everybody thinks this gentleman uh, was a terrorist, which those were terroristic acts. I'm not going to take it off the table. That was strictly a terroristic act. A terroristic and what was the act is anything that makes you afraid to do your normal daily thing or do anything. Right. And, and that that's, is a terrorist act. That was a terrorist they act. I agree with that. people in the gay, lesbian, transgender community afraid to go out to bars. Exactly. Nightclubs. Anywhere that they can be prosecuted. Right. So it is a terroristic act. Now, I'll say this. One of my largest client since I started this company came to me about a year in working with them. I work with them still today is Alabama's largest LGBT nightclub. Yeah. you told um, Yeah. For me, this was kind of tough because I mean, like, honestly, like I love the people there. I go down, you know, semi-regularly or visit them semi-regularly and, you know, make sure, see how things are going constantly. Am I working with the ownership there on how we can perfect things and um one thing i mean i'll say about gay nightclubs or gay lgbtq i mean whatever you want to say i know that it constantly you know some nightclubs say lgbt some are lgbtq depending on what you know they you choose um but i mean 
I don't think that really matters. What I say is like those are safe spots mm-hmm. for those individuals. And you know, when I talk to the staff there that works there, or I'm talking to the entertainers and I'm trying to to get a you know idea, and they love that place because it's theirs. And for a second, when I saw thought about Orlando, like I thought about the staff there and like how crushed I would be if anything happened. You know, not just the staff, but that community. I mean, when I'm down there. The people are so incredibly nice to me. Not that they wouldn't be nice to me, but taking something that's here in America and it's our LGBT societies, our groups, it's where they feel safe. It's where, you know, they're in our world 90% of their time. And what hurt me was that, um, you know, God, it's like almost something beautiful. It's like something that they have you know, I hear people all the time like, why do gay people need their own places? Why do black people need their own places? Because sometimes you need that community, okay? I don't, you know, I constantly hear the argument about why is there not a white history month? And, you know, whatever. That's not <laughs> would, would we argue that's all day, you know? Will we say that? It's history. I mean, literally. I mean, would yeah. we say that? I'm not being funny for once. I'm just saying, would we not argue that's all day? I mean, Versus I can... uh, we have the shortest month of the, the year, you know? So, and we have history sporadically throughout the rest of the year dealing with, you know, whites, President's Days, etc. You know, other type of founder day, Founders Days as well. But there's certain days that, you know... I mean, Prince has a day even, you know, you know, exactly. <laughs> so it's a simple fact of, yeah, I understand that. And then we go into that whole, you know, uh, white supremacy type of deal coming back, you know, and that's no different from us saying black power back in when the, the Black Panthers. Or the with the aggressive Black Lives Matter movement now. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and it's, to me, I understand what they're doing completely. You know, I'm, I'm black. I'm black on both sides. You know, my daughter, uh, she's mixed. You know, her mother's white. I have to understand all sides of spectrum. Um, and like you said about community, we do need our places where we can kind of congregate, you know, and, and speak on positive matters and not try to rally each other and gas each other up mm-hmm. to, to go against, you know, uh, a certain individual, uh, politically, uh, race, sexual, anything of that nature, you know, because that one thing that happens, look at the Muslims, that one thing that happens alienates that whole culture, yep. that whole religion because of that one person who acted out. And now everybody has to try to come together and try to, you know, uh, you know, walk on eggshells, if you will, trying to make uh, nice and make this situation. It's not going to go away. It's never going to go away. But we're going to try to, what, bury the hatchet? I, don't, I mean, that's one Because this just made. dredges up the whole race issue. This dredges up, you know, sexuality. I mean, we were just dealing with that with the whole bathroom situation, obviously, uh, with the transgender happening up in the, the Carolinas, and now it's kind of, it's, 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 oh, man, it's a clusterfuck. In, in an ideal Excuse world. Excuse language, but. In an ideal world, I wish it could all just be everybody could go to the same places. You didn't have, you know, you didn't have to go to a specific club right. because you were accepted everywhere. Right. And everything like that. But unfortunately, there are people in the world that don't accept people like that and don't want people like that in their clubs and they will kick them out. I will say this. I'll say this. The one reason they brought me in to work with this bar particularly was because they'd seen a decrease in personnel. I mean, excuse me, a decrease in clientele. And Mm -hmm. the reason they'd seen a decrease in clientele was not because gay people were going to other gay clubs, but because gay people are so widely accepted in other clubs. I mean, we're talking about mm-hmm. Al- Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about Berkeley. 
California. We're not talking about Portland, Oregon, you know, these like cultural uh, areas of acceptance or whatever. We're talking about Birmingham, Alabama, where (coughs) race riots happen, where buses were bombed. And we have a gay bar that's losing business because people, so I mean, it's not, you know, we're sitting here talking about, we're sitting here talking about how bad it is. But I mean, you know, if we look statistically, the U.S. is safer than it's ever been. Second, you know, we can also, or this type period in history is the safest it's ever been. And second, you know, we're seeing this because, you know, our, these establishments are losing business and having to try to do what they can to bring their patrons back because everybody society is more accepting. I think that's awesome. But what hurts me is that place like Al's that I work with, what was it called, Pulse in Orlando? Pulse, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hit, and I mean, whether we realize it or want to admit it or not, that's part of Americana. That assault on there, uh, it resonated with me because, you know, it wasn't a school. But it was another part of America mm-hmm. that a lot of people, you know, there were some negative things said on Facebook because it was a LGBT establishment. But the, uh, and that's and go back to that part right there because it was an establishment of a certain type, so mm-hmm. a lot of negative things were said. Dude, I didn't see any aliens come out of that place. I saw human beings. Yeah, you know exactly people just like you and me. You know, I couldn't tell what their sex sex or or yes, race. I obviously can see the race, but you can't tell what their their sex class is when they come out of that building. You yeah. know, wounded. You know, and unfortunately, some of them didn't make it out at all. That's what I saw. You know, and that's what I heard. Everything else was just a bunch of propaganda. And that's what the media does. It gives you a, a big slant. And so instead of using my, my my Twitter fingers or Facebook, where the case may be, to plug away and, and start to rant along with everybody else, this is my avenue to get out there, uh, not only to, you know, the people around me, but the people uh, of the world as far as how I feel about it. You know, and I'm very mute, if you will, because I'm sitting around and noticing that, you know what, if you have two fools arguing, you know, the person watching you from afar can't tell you apart. My thing is like, I've, I almost don't even debate with <clears throat> individuals on things like Facebook because it's like most people don't feel the need to be constrained by like logic or rationality. Exactly. That's why they're on. That's why you're on the internet on that level. Or maybe that's why we're on it. Is that? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> the media doesn't help these things either. Though. No, they don't, man. If you look at certain outlets immediate, like today, when Pete told me two days ago that I was going to be talking about this, I was like, okay. I'm gonna, I know a lot about it, but I'm going to do a little more in-depth research about mm-hmm. it. And as I'm going through some of the things online, I start seeing different news outlets name the club different things. Either it'd be a gay bar mm-hmm. or it'd be a nightclub. Or, or LGBT it, establishment. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, so it's like they're kind of... You see that with a lot of different stuff in the media now. They'll, they'll It's like they're kind of like poking at it by mm-hmm. saying gay bar instead of just it was a nightclub with people in it human beings in it and so if it was a black nightclub you know yeah then you know who would be you know definitely at the helm of these uh vigils etc if it was mm-hmm. uh, a white club i mean everybody right would be because it's just everybody mm-hmm. is that how we include people you know uh a native american club an asian club you know again an alien club who would be rallying to that cause at this time frame? Since it's a gay club, you know, and again, you know, with a lot of the other political standpoints that we have coming down the pipeline and issues, uh, you know, it just kind of really heightens this whole this whole matter. And then All right, it, I got a question. Go ahead, man. All right. Here's my question. If this would have been in the African American community. Oh yes. Let's talk about it. Man, Jesse Jackson, Cornell West, all these 
people that are getting media time would be all over this. And my thing is like, where are they now? Where exactly? Where are they now? Yeah, yeah. Where are they now? And I mean, I speak to that as a you know white man in Nebraska. Yeah. But I mean, like, dude, does it not bother you slightly that your leaders who you know get up there and seeing things like we will not be moved in front of hundreds of thousands of people at rallies in D.C. completely. I mean, have you heard them say anything? I, don't, I haven't seen them rise to the cause. Now, again, I've kind of there's a lot of there's a lot of media happening out there. So maybe I haven't pinpointed it as of yet, but I haven't seen anything uh, even just kind of thumbing through or trolling through Facebook or any other uh, type of uh, social media. I haven't seen anything as far as, uh, you know, a black uh, black lives matters or any other type of uh, coalition underneath uh, the African-American community speak out uh, on this as a whole, you know. Uh, again, is it a deal where we're just dealing with groups? You know, again, if it was blacks, you know, sh- shoot. If it was a, 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 if a one black person, you know, one black male got shot in a, just a regular club, you know, I hate to say that part, a regular club, right? But, oh, we'd be all at, we'd be all on it. You know, if it was a priest, I need to quit drinking Red Bull. If it was <laughs> police brutality, man, if it was police brutality, oh, you know, we'd be all on that, you know? Uh, it goes without saying, but, when it comes to something like that, there's certain type of culture, I was, I'll definitely say cultural, cultural divides and what we want to represent and what we want to stand by, you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a, uh, as a culture, as a community, you know, and I definitely have, uh, gay family members, you know, um, <laughs> what? I was thinking back to that, uh, <laughs> that skill. It was at Chris Rock. He was like, everybody's got that one gay uncle. <laughs> you know, and I do, and actually do, you know, and that's what I was thinking about, right? When I went to him, I mean, he's not necessarily your uncle per se, but he, he was always that guy who always brought, uh, his roommate to Thanksgiving dinner every year, uh, every year. And he has a daughter, you know, she's grown, love her to death. Like, dude, you have a lot of guy roommates every Thanksgiving that you bring in. And I was a young kid, and then, like later on, later on when I graduated high school, I kind of got the the hint of what mm-hmm. it was about. But that's funny. Yeah, everybody has somebody like that in your life, you know. Just like everybody has that one, you know, sister who married that black guy. You know, that was me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> point being is, you gotta be accepting. You have to be accepting. You know, the world uh, is turning, so you either can stand still, or once you're five, or excuse me, ten. If you have five, you're weird. But if you, once your ten toes hit the ground, you gotta move. You gotta go someplace. So uh, there's an old African proverb that speaks well to that. You know why you pray you should be walking you know just don't oh, stand God, still yeah. just don't stand still pray and walk at the same time frame mark it's, it's this is a tough topic because we don't have um of kind of what we're getting into next we don't have like a muslim individual in the room with us so i mean i don't want to get into this too hard and but mark i mean you uh you know when you were you were what afghanistan mm-hmm. what you know that was kind of who you were fighting right mm-hmm. the the biggest thing with so, if you look at their religion, right, it is a incredibly peaceful religion, right. If you actually do some study on it, and you know we learned a lot about it when we were over there, it is incredibly, incredibly peaceful religion. Um, but what happens is, just like in any religion, um, you get extremists, right. Um, and that's what this guy was. He was an extremist. Um, he claimed ISIS and all this stuff. Um, but, you know, with the FBI surveillance on the ISIS message boards, um, basically, he has no link to them. He just did this off his... Basically, ISIS has such a good propaganda out there. Dude, these dudes um, know how to market. Yeah, they, they marketed him. They brainwashed him um, through, you know, online. And 
I mean, I'm not saying that they can do this anyway. This guy was obviously a sociopath already, and they just put an idea in his head. Um, Inception. It, it wasn't a that he had no aid from ISIS or anything like that that we know of, um, or that they found yet. This was he acted on his own, and then he claimed ISIS at the end of it. Um, the issue is, is that you have people in these um, religions in these communities. When we were in Afghanistan, um, they don't let those. They don't let them learn. They don't let them read. They want them to stay as least westernized as the and we're talking about the taliban now um they want them to stay as least westernized as humanly possible they don't want them to learn they don't want them to read they don't want them to know anything and the reason that they do that is because it's easier to control them then yeah they have people coming to their towns everybody every home that we went into all, i'll say almost every home that we went into had a quran in it okay could they read the Quran? No, because they can't read. Wow. So they can't actually read the own mess their 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 own message. So what happens is then they have um, people come into their towns and go, listen guys, this is what the Quran says. It says you need to fight these people, and it says this and that and blah blah blah, and they tell them, and um, they kind of brainwash them by doing that kind of stuff. Now let me segue real quick. Now what that just sounded like to me, and again, this is not to be comedical, but have you ever seen the Book of Mormon? The play. The play. I have not seen it all the way through, but I've fallen asleep during watching the Book of Mormon. <laughs> have you really, on, yeah, on TV I mean, or what? You need, to, you, need to go, you need to actually go see it live. Yeah. It, it came through Omaha again. I think it's maybe its third or second year coming through. Uh, I saw it when it first came through and it had the big to-do about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you said you've seen it, Mark? I haven't seen you it. You haven't seen it? Dude. You just pretty much talked about the plot to the Book of Mormon. You know, I mean, you have these Mormons that go over to Africa for the most part. And, uh, you know, Africans don't know how to read the Bible. You know, so here, this one guy who is supposedly leader of this Mormon crew, because they're all like, uh, you know, they're Mormons and they're going over there to do their mission trip, uh, interprets the Bible mm -hmm. to them. You know, and it was a, it, wow, it's a, it's a funny play. Don't get me wrong. It's a funny play. Mm -hmm. uh, South Park uh, is behind it as far as the guys who created that. Uh, as far as the guys who created that, but you just illustrated exactly, you know, the plot to that that play where they don't know how to read the message that somebody's telling them about. So it's an interpretation, yep. and they just go with what this person's telling them mm -hmm. because they don't know any better. These are grown in these are grown people, mm -hmm. grown men and women and but children. They're, but they're impressionable. Not, impressionable, right? Their their minds are malleable. Exactly because they don't. They're not dumb but, but they just um you're having someone come in and tell you something and uh i mean you know you're gonna take their word for take it at face value right because you you don't know otherwise you don't know that there's evil out in the world and all that kind of things because these these places are very secluded right and that's the problem and then what we have here in america is now these people have access to the internet so now they can do this over the world wide web and you have these message boards and you have these blogs that are um, that ISIS runs and they're, you know, they call it the black Internet. And these people get on there and they um, they, they read these things and they they talk about all this stuff. And it's very, very violent and everything. But it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of they, they do it in such a subtle way. It's very smart how they do it. Um, it's kind of like what Hitler and the Nazis. He didn't just start off saying, hey, we're going to start build concentration camps and do all this. They do it very subtly. 
they show you the wrong in something and then they bring you in a little bit. They show you the wrong in something and then the next thing you know, you're buried so deep that you can't get out of it, man. You can't get out of it and you're killing people and you don't even know why. Right. Off of something that someone just kind of told you. Um, and that's how they, they gain followers by doing this kind of stuff. And they gain followers here in the U.S. Um, we have people, there are people in the U.S. that are born in America. Um, the guy who attacked Pulse was born here. Right. And they'll go back to Afghanistan or Pakistan when they're 18, 19 years old. They'll get trained and they'll come back. And they'll attack places here. So are they considered sleeper cells or what will we consider? No, they they just, for some reason, decide to do this on their own. Okay. Um, And it's because of these message boards and these blogs and stuff like that. They, they, um, They read them and... They say, you know, you need to support the homeland and you need to come back right. and you need, to, we, you need to do this and you need to support the Muslim cause. And it's very sad. It really is. Um, because, like I said, the religion is so peaceful in itself, but you have extremists. Just like you had extremists back in, you know, when um, the Crusades happened. You know, the Christians were cr- extremists back then. They went and they killed hundreds of thousands of people. Um, they, they're just... A faction of this part of religion and then the whole thing gets um what's it called uh, the islamophobia now is that what it's called yeah, there's so they, many phobias out I, there dude so i can't i can't call it <laughs> I, I, I think i saw it on a uh, line the other day they're, okay. they're calling it islamophobia now all right i saw i saw like a a video online where they were making fun of like you know you have an islamic neighbor a muslim neighbor mm-hmm. and how you see him he's wearing clothes just like you you know he's cutting his cutting his hedges and then like you kind of yep. do a double take and he's like got like some sh- crazy shears and screaming some Allah type of stuff. People have this type of that, phobia, that, right? It, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a weird. realistic thing now. I just, really I'm scared is. of spiders. That's all I'm scared of. Yeah, listen, there's no Islamic spiders for me. It's just a spider. <laughs> I'm scared of a spider, man. Arachnophobia. Yeah, that's what I'm about. <laughs> Boom. No, so, but um. So now there's a lot uh, Islamophobia. Yeah. Um, and it's just people who uh, don't fully understand that these are just extremists in their uh, area, you're not, they're not talking for the entire religion or the entire race or the entire country or the region, their entire region of the world. It's one person doing something crazy. Yeah. So, so segueing, you know, slightly different topic. Um, but I mean, we're in here, we mentioned it before Elliot kind of mentioned it for a second. You know, I mentioned earlier that there's never been a safer time in our country. Like statistically, yeah. you know, people yeah. are living longer. You know, people are throwing up all types of stats about Obama. During Obama, there was like 142 mass shootings. So I saw that stat and I was like, kind of hold on. I was kind of bothered by that. And I was like, there's no way that's true. And I actually looked up and it's something like 14, which is basically like the average for the last. So, so there's eight years, the, 14. If you go on the FBI website, there's. There's 160 active killer situations, not active shooters. So active killer just means that's, and that's what we call our class because an active killer can be someone with a machete. Mm. It doesn't have to be a gun. So um, there's been 160 active killer scenarios from 2000 to 2013. Okay. Now, not all of them are as big as Virginia Tech and stuff like that. Um, but they are uh, bad situations yeah. where there it's it's an ongoing thing and it lasts multiple minutes or you know I think the 
the average for the active killer um, timeline is about eight minutes. I mean, we want to talk about terrorism. So, I can remember sitting in law school thinking to myself, like, when I should be just concentrating on the professor thing. And I was like, man, if somebody comes in this room, what do I do right now? Exactly. And I mean, that happened until I got out that. of law school, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, with the media being what they are, their job is getting views. Their job's getting clicks. I mean, not any different than this podcast. I mean, our job here is to say things that are entertaining and that you want to hear and that you share with your friends. So, I mean, in a way, we're part of the problem. But, I mean, hopefully we can be part of the solution. Exactly. But that being said, I look at, you know, we can go back. We went from this. Then we went to Stanford. Then it was like transgender bathrooms. You know, when are we had the political podcast and you said, when are we going to stop making stupid people famous? Yeah. But my real question is, when are we going to stop? And, you know, it's hard for me to say this because... I quit really actually watching the news during probably like eight or ten years ago because I was like, man, this is garbage. But mm-hmm. when are we going to stop supporting these news outlets that at one time provided value to our family and our parents, um, that kind of age group and before, to now where we just use it as almost like a tabloid source? I mean, exactly. yesterday they showed, fam- or two days ago they showed families all huddled in a room crying on TV. That's not news. That's like you're gawking at these people who lost loved ones. Right. And let's go back to that. I mean, when you saw that, was that towards the end of the newscast or within the first 10 minutes of the newscast? I, I don't, honestly don't remember. It was at the first 10 minutes. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, answer your question for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, man. Yeah, normally the, the 10 at 10, wherever you're at, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in Nebraska or any other state, is going to be the most tragic, most insulting things you can ever see. But yet, yeah, it's a train wreck. You want to keep on watching, right? And you're mourning, or not mourning, but you're watching people mourn, in this case for you, Pate, because that's what's going to grab you. That's what's going to pull you in. We have to have the most recent information, you know, on tap. Right now, you know, you know, little Wayne, you know, landed here the other day. You knew that, right? Little Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause he had a seizure. seizure. Yeah, because he's doing that lean again, man. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> oh my goodness, he has seizures. Yeah, he had epilepsy. Ep- yes, he has epile- epilepsy. Thank you very much. I just had one now. I had an epileptic fit. I can't even say it. <laughs> but yeah, little Wayne landed in Omaha the other day and he refused medical attention. He took off and he came back because he had another seizure on the plane. I mean, that made like a little small blip on the radar. I mean, but it was all over social media here in Omaha, that is, per mm-hmm. se. And then maybe, oh, actually, back up. It was on TMZ. It was on Complex. And it was on uh, XXL. You know, so these are some of the big hip-hop publications minus TMZ, which just reports. Was it on World Star? Pro- <laughs> no. Man, if it wasn't on World, World Star, Star, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, of, these some, people, some of these people don't even know about World Yeah, World Star, Star right? World Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but, no, I make that. I say this. To say, or excuse me, I say that to say this. Those small little entertainment blips are what that is, but they're they're looking for the most juiciest stories, and people, people, people like despair. You know what I'm saying? They like to see people who are doing worse off than they are. Sometimes mm-hmm. we feed off of that energy. We we are a bad culture on that on that level. I mean, on that I've same got, on that ahead. same note, like what kills me kills me is you know my main job with my clients is promoting some form of action in some way shape or form what you know a lot of people do is they get on you know they watch the news and they get on social media and on social media they put up these like memes that are like inspirational quotes by people like Gary V and stuff like that and it's like you know like even quotes about 
taking action and all they do is put up this meme and what it basically does is it gives them this little blip this little good feeling of personal development of that they're bettering themselves when really and truly they just read something that some guy that is just killing it working his butt off every day said no yeah i'm gonna adopt this theory and they never do anything about it that too is why you know i'm having mark here today is because like don't just listen to this think about this think how you can change yourself maybe you're completely for concealed carry maybe you're completely against concealed carry like i honestly don't care what your opinion is because that's your opinion but whatever you do make yourself better so that you can survive these scenarios so that when you have these opportunities God, let's not even call it an opportunity. When we had these tragedies happen where somebody wants to rape, maim, or kill mm -hmm. us, we're able to do something about it. Spend time preparing because, you know, if you don't, you might be the one. Um, you know, on another note, going back to another tragedy that happened, and I mean, I don't want to really just jump tragedy to tragedy, but it was the last one that happened. One thing that I put on social media was how bummed I got about when I, you know, started right. thinking about my girls. Right. And, you know, the prevalence of rape on college campuses. One thing that, like, a relative of mine put was that, well, I just don't think there's anything proactive we can do because when individuals feel that they want to rape someone that's just how they are who said this one of my relatives and i'm like okay. whoa so what we're basically saying is let's just let whatever happen happen right that's what she basically said yep. so, and said. you know and th their point was we should put these people away in jail forever for, so that less people want to do it my thing is like when has jail time ever and i'm not saying that i'm for the judge that gave such a weak sentence to that individual. I was simply saying, that's the past and there's not double jeopardy. I'm not gonna spend my energy on that one individual. I'm gonna spend my energy on making my world better so that my girls don't have to live through that. Like I don't, I'm not gonna give a moment's thought to that, you know, guy in California, piece of crap that did what he did. Mm -hmm. Like he deserves bad things. Right, but I don't care about that because that's energy that I could otherwise put into making my family safer. Educating my girls, they're not even, they're just turned three months. But you know, having the forethought around how am I gonna change their life to where they prosper, survive, and make it through. I saw actually something really funny that was, don't be concerned about letting your daughters go in Target bathroom with transgenders. Be concerned with letting your daughters go into bars with white males. And for a second, I was like, whoa, percentage wise, that's true. And I mean, that's not on this podcast, judging by our analytics, that's not going to go over well with our listeners. And I mean, I'm a staunch Republican, but again, back to you saying people th with glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Wow. Right. I, I say take care of your family first, educate them. And you know, you never know if your kid's going to be the person that gets hurt or god forbid does the hurting but you know you and i had this opportunity in our lives where we get to mold two in or me i get to mold two individuals you get to mold your daughter into members of society that can either benefit society or can hurt society that's right that's it's, right it's a problem in our um culture now where 
like I said earlier, everybody just thinks that the world is great and everybody's going to treat them right and there's nobody bad out there and all these kind of things. So they don't take precautions to defend themselves and stuff like that. <clears throat> we, uh, you see it all the time. I'm not picking on women here, but it, you know, this is um, just something that happens a lot. Have you ever leaned over someone and you're in their bubble and you kind of push them out of the way to grab something and they'll say sorry to you? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do that myself. I guess somebody does that just to be polite. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, no, they no. came into your bubble and you said sorry to them. If anybody's ever in your bubble, you tell them to get the fuck out of your bubble. That's the thing. So we have this kind of mindset now where we always need to be nice to everybody. And this is what kind of gets us in trouble. You don't have to be nice to everybody. You can respect other people's opinions and stuff like that. But you don't have to be blatantly... You don't have to let... Uh, have you ever seen that video of the woman who um, she was at an ATM in the middle of the night. All right, so just to lay this scenario out, she's at an ATM in the middle of the night. Okay. Don't ever do that, by the way, an outdoor ATM, because she drove up to it, and uh, a uh, black male walks up to her window, and instead of being, she didn't want to be rude by just speeding off, because she thought that would be inappropriate and rude, uh, she sat there, he comes up to the window, reaches in, takes her keys out of the ignition, pulls her out of the car, and puts her in the trunk. Because she didn't want to be rude, she got abducted. Now, there's a, a very, you know, you don't want to be rude, but you also don't want to be carjacked and abducted because you, you think something's awkward. No, I, I agree. You have to know your surroundings, you know, and that's, you have to be aware. There's certain times of the day, certain times of the night that mm -hmm. you're just aware of your surroundings and you understand, okay, well, it's the middle of the day. I'm, I'm pretty cool right now, but I mean, mm -hmm. yes, if somebody's walking up to your car when you're at a drive-thru ATM, there's a red flag that happens right there. It's a exactly. drive-thru, it's a drive-up, excuse me, ATM. Yeah. Somebody's walking like up to morning. you, one in the morning, nobody there except for you. How are you being rude by not just either running this guy over and then saying sorry later, you know, yeah. or whatever the case may be. I mean, I'm not going to say she asked for what happened to her neither. I'm not going to even no. go that way. That's terrible. We need to, we just need to be aware of our surroundings and, and be on point. You know, uh, like they say in the hood, don't catch me slipping, right? You mm -hmm. know, if I did something bad, I'm not going to walk around like everything's all good. I'm going to watch my back, yep. you know, and make sure that everything in my area is secure. Um, always. Always. I'm not going to put it past anybody what they can do and what they can't do. Uh, yeah. You look at, again, the, the rapist in Stanford. Like, the dude, I mean, really. Well, and it, it just shows this guy had a prior history of all these things. He's got a prior history of all these things, of being aggressive. Apparently, the week before, he was doing the same thing to the girl. Okay. To that particular girl? Yeah. Wow. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's different. Oh, this is weird now. Yeah. <laughs> so, he had targeted her. Oh. For her to go to a... For her to see him at another party, and, you know, we don't know if she was already too drunk at that point to recognize him or anything like right. that. It, there, You hear scenarios all the time where people are just like, well, I didn't want to be rude and tell him to fuck off or get out of my area, or I need to leave because that dude's fucking weird or something like that. Like, defend yourself. You know, it's, it's your area. It's your bubble. You got to defend it, so. My thing that gets me about this entire deal is with the Stanford deal is like I made a comment in the past that we need to proactively change like party culture in college and mm -hmm. people flipped out about that statement they're like party culture in college doesn't promote right party and culture party culture in college XYZ what party culture in college did and I mean I'm like 
seven years removed from college and I'm five years removed from law school, or eight years and five years. But what it does promote, particularly in some sects of individuals in college, are like, oh, we're going to get super messed up tonight. We're going to go holler at... Get white boy wasted. Right. I mean, but it's not just... It's just <laughs> not white dudes. But I mean, it's like, you know, a particular groups that, you know, see partying as this complete and total ruckus and people get out of control. And I'm not sure if it's happened to this kid. I'm not sure what happened to him. Who? Well, the Sanford dude? Yeah, well, I don't... He had, he had a long history. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was... But... What happens, you know, the fact that like one in four girls in college statistically, and that's a debate, like maybe it's one in eight, maybe it's one in 20. For me having two girls, like I'm going to go ahead and tell you one in 50 is too high for me. That's one in, there's a two, per, if there's a two percent chance that that could happen to my girls, like I'm going to do what I can to change it. So I don't care what that statistic is. What I care is that when people go out in college, you know, you have people that are of age mixed in with people that are not of age. And I'm going to tell you, the difference between my age group that, you know, people drank, people maybe uh, smoked some pot, people maybe did like, you know, a line or a key bump or something. You know, those are bad things. A lot of people can't handle some of that stuff. But today with, I mean, kids are on pills like crazy. Popping them. And it bothers me because it's like, when did that become cool? Because it wasn't cool when I was there. I, hate it. I still hate pills to this day. You know, I, I don't think. <laughs> I can't take alveolar or Tylenol. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, you know, that's definitely not what we're talking about in party culture. Right, right. But it's like, why is everybody comboing, you know, their vices together? Why do you have to drink plus take a Laura tab and then take an Adderall when you get there to get hyped up? And then, you know, you're hyped up and it's like, oh, man, I'm feeling this music here comes on a good DJ. Let me take some Molly. Then you go home. It's 4 a.m. And you're like, man, I'm tired. Let me smoke weed. And like, that's the party culture I'm talking about. Yeah, and people don't deep. realize that that's what it is now. And... It's way different than dudes just crushing 20 beers. I mean, I'm not... I don't have kids, so it's not for me to say, but yeah. it comes right. back yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to parenting, and a lot of that does. It's it, it's not the parenting where you're telling them. It's, it's I feel like, just um, that online media culture. The kids have iPhones at five years old now, they have Facebooks. They see this shit, so they think it's commonplace. They see movies. They see TV shows where this stuff is commonplace. You have a TV show of Keeping Up with the Kardashians and all that kind of stuff, or um, Real World where they get fucked up every night and drinking. These people, kids idolize these people. So what do you think they're going to act like when they get older? They're going to act like the people that they... Like what you said before, don't make stupid people famous. That's an Elliot Harris quote, not a Pate Smith. So there you go. We're gonna, well, shirts coming out soon on that one. Shirts coming out. Yeah, soon. don't make stupid people famous. Well, there you go. Your kids are gonna idolize these types of people that you're making famous by watching their. Um, what's a the the teen pregnancy show? Oh man, the one here in the or is that Nebraska? One of the Nebraska. Teen mom. Yeah, we were just talking about that last teen podcast, mom. man. Your kids see these things and they, they 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 might not idolize these people, but they think that it's normal because it's on TV. So, I mean, where's, no, it's go ahead, sir. Where's the TV show? about 
the family of five and you know no dad the dad goes to work the dad goes to work like that's not hot anymore people don't care because people don't have that in their lives though neither you know what i'm saying so speak towards that the full house uh the cosby's before all the scandal came about you Mm know uh family matters i mean tgif friday on abc was all about family atmosphere and then maybe you had perfect strangers which is about you know a cousin and his is uh, the two cousins that live together, you know, so that was kind of like your single guy type of show, right? Bro, er- Carl Winslow put up with Urkel, and he was weird. <laughs> he said, you can eat dinner at our house, Urkel. Sometimes, you you know, you're weird, Urkel, but, right. you know, we're going to put up with you. And so, and so that was that nerd that very, well, he got picked on, but that bullying status wasn't there. He was kind of a cool nerd, right? I mean, Carl so, took up for him, too. Yeah, all the time, yeah. right? So, I mean, there was always a message in all these TV shows, and you didn't want to miss a show, especially if it had a to-be-continued on the end of it, oh. right? So, um... I used to have to debate whether I was going to go to the skating rink or watch, watch TGI. Yeah, because <laughs> coming on, I can't miss what happens to Laura, you know what I'm saying? Is she going to get, you know, I don't know. Is she going to get out of the situation or not? But, yeah, I mean, we don't have this type of family values anymore, but look at how technology has advanced us and look how much of how much of technology has enabled us too. okay? I mean, to the way where our culture is a self-gratifying culture where we need to have everything uh, that was coming out or that's coming out tomorrow today. You know, we need that right now. And uh, kind of going back to the whole, you know, scene. Yeah, we need to have everything on and popping. I don't, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. And I don't really care because today's all I'm living for. And I want it to be the best day of my life. That's, o- that's okay mentality to have. But don't buffer that with the drugs. You know what I'm saying? Don't buffer that with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you can do it within a certain type of uh, norm, you know, and be respectable. Uh, respectable. But like you said, there's so much propaganda out there going back to the media going back to what we have on social media social media that makes that gives everything a slant you know makes everything entertaining mm-hmm. you know uh to the point where you know everybody looks like they live forever like it's a video game right exactly uh where there's they, no respawns in the rl exactly <laughs> exactly man you you this whole conversation this whole podcast was probably one of our better podcasts and more focused podcasts that we've done thus far, you know, like literally I'm going to go see my daughter this weekend and I'm going to be like, dude, I need to kind of have a coming to Jesus moment with her, you know, uh, and rethink some things that, I, that I'm doing and how I'm teaching her, you know, uh, that's what I'm going to be thinking about off of this podcast and also other kids as well. <sighs> the biggest thing about it is you come away from this like it's church almost, you know, you listen to it. It's awesome. It's been an hour. It's great. Oh, I feel like I'm going to do this and conquer the world tomorrow. Uh habits man it's gonna have to be another podcast we do you know making good habits we talk about things every day and how we're going to conquer the world on a pinky and brain type of mentality you know but we we rarely do it well and i love i go on uh i don't have any kind of social media outlet that's good just because it drives me insane i can't it's crazy i can't read that stuff you got snapchat oh you got snapchat yeah, I watch paid snap. Oh, okay, cool, <laughs> that's, cool. That's, cool. All right, cool. that's all I do. But um, <laughs> but the only thing I I do go online every once in a while, and I'll Google things um just to see what pops up about all these different things. I'll go to people's blogs and see who posts what about everything. And like you said, people post these things where they're saying all these horrible stuff. Well, what are you actually doing to be proactive exactly. in the community to change this? What are you doing? You're just saying all this horrible shit just to piss people off so you get a reaction and a rise out of people. Well, what are you actually doing? Do, if, do you hate CCW? Do you hate guns? Are you going out and being proactive and trying to stop guns in the world? No, you're just posting dumb shit so people 
liking and comment on it. Yeah. You know, I, even though I never, you know, really shot a gun except for that one time as I notated, I'm about to do a lot more here coming up soon with you guys for sure. Uh, you know, I, I never had any type of reserved feeling about guns, just that in the wrong hands, I will agree that it, it can be... Um, it, it, it can leave question marks, you know, to what can happen. You know, when you have an officer that has a gun, yeah, you know, I mean, they're still human. They still breathe and bleed just like us, you know. The same time frame, I feel a little more comfortable versus, you know. Oh, that's an interesting statement. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it, put a pin in that. Next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, versus, you know, having a 13-year-old kid with a gun in his hand, you know, that kind of, like, dude, puts, like, flags, like, yellow flags in my head, mm-hmm. in my mind. Because just all the things that are out there content-wise, you got the Call of Duty, you know, as popular as I don't know what since, you know, the last five years. You know, kids think that, you know, you can just re-up on your life, you know, if I shoot you. No, exactly. that's not how it works, man. Uh, so, you know, reality is really blurred uh, from, again, social media and reality is blurred from what we've seen happen this past Sunday, from what we've seen happen in, in, uh, over there in California, as far as that, the whole rape incidents we were talking about as well. And what was the other one in between there? There was something else in between there. I, after that was the whole the, transgender bathroom deal. Tra- yeah. Tra- and that was kind of, yeah, that's kind of like sprinkled in there as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's more of a political base. Well, and- did you guys hear about the, the voice actress that got shot? The who? In Florida. Oh, that was in the club, the Pulse, no, no, no. or what? This was two days prior. Okay. So it got overshadowed oh. by Pulse. Don't give me, don't let me start talking about that. And this is a, kind of that whole segue point of so this was, all this is kind of. Yeah, this is just another, and it's not that detailed really quick. Um, what happened was, you know that show The Voice? Yeah. Some uh, guy in Florida drive, drove two and a half hours to the showing of it. Waited till this girl was outside signing autographs. She was one of the um, singers on the show. Mm-hmm. Waited till he got in front of her and just shot her and killed her dead right on the spot. For nobody knows why, because he killed himself at the scene. Wow! And that goes back to guns in the wrong hands of the wrong people. There you go. You know, this is just a random act of violence, and it's so it's that our world is so violent now. But I feel like, you know, you hear about it a lot more because we have things like social media. And this one didn't even, you guys didn't even know about it. I didn't no, even know I about even it. Know, I'm like, that's what I said. Like, what do you mean the voice? I like, she was know. in the club in Orlando? Yeah. I'm like, nope, this was a whole separate I didn't separate even know incident. about it until I started doing some research on Pulse. And then I heard about another shooting that happened, so I Googled it. And then just to close on overshadowing things, whatever happened to our, our good gorilla friend? Yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Oh, man, we're not even, we're not even going to touch that. That's what I'm saying. The overshadowing people, things, man. People like, get real... Crunk on that gorilla topic. On I'm that just, gorilla, go- oh my goodness! Well, if it would have been, if it would have been, oh, just be glad. If it be glad, been, yeah. I'm glad it was not a transgender fraternity guy that would have shot the gorilla. The news would have exploded. Blown up. Real, I got, I got to tell him real quick. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about now. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, it, but just how you said that, Mark. Just how you said, like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I know the voice. There's so many things that get overshadowed mm-hmm. because other things take precedence. You know, I mean, and it's all going to trickle. Uh, down to the backstock of the news, you know, of, of articles that you can read, you know, way into time, way into history that you can research. I mean, even when they were saying this is the worst mass uh, shootings in our history. Mm-hmm. Oh, the ish, the blog sphere, the, the social media sphere was flooding with a lot of the uh, oppression, a lot of the, the mass uh, killings that was happening back in the days of slavery, in the days of Native Americans yeah. here in the United States. Everybody finds, uh, everybody's, like you're saying, taking this incident and bringing up other shit. All you do is go uh, Google, Wikipedia, boom, what's the ma- biggest mass, yeah. and it'll say, Psh. and so this is not 
that for us. It might be for our for our kids generation, but it's not for us, and definitely not for our, our parents or grandparents. Yeah. So, it, I don't know. you know, and I saw a lot of people using this as an incident to bring up gun control and all that kind of stuff. But that's a whole another topic for a whole another time. Pinning that, gonna have you back on that subject for sure, man. For sure, yeah. Awesome. Well. Closing up, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all the people on social media that give us shares, that port our sponsors. Please check Elliot out at his speaking engagements. If you need to DJ, hit him up. Elliot, how, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, get in touch with me through you. You're my manager now, man, for sure. Okay, uh, that's paid at positivechangeusa.com. So I'm filtering you, all my, I'm filtering all my all my information through you from this point because I don't want to be confusing out there to you guys. Uh, you know, oh, here I can contact Pay or contact contact Elliot. Pate looks at his emails more. Pate does a lot of the logistics on our side. So definitely contact Pate for any information on that level. But I'm always going to be here. Mark's going to be here every now and then. Mark, though, tell us how we can get in contact with you once again, my friend. Tactical 88. Um, so just go to the website, 88 Tactical, 88 Tactical. And uh, just go ahead, scroll through the classes. You can look through the instructor cadre, see uh, all the background and experience that we have. We have guys who are 20-plus years SWAT, 20-plus years police force, 20-plus years you know, armed forces, everything that you could possibly imagine. Um, we have a new building being built in Gretna right now that'll be up uh, July 7th is the grand opening. You know, we have classes that fit every kind of sphere of life, so just come out and uh, we'll teach you some cool stuff and yep. uh, teach you how to defend yourselves and survive a situation. Again, so. check out our sponsors. Thanks a lot. If you want to get up in touch with me, it's paid at positivechangeusa.com. That's P-A-T-E at positivechangeusa.com. Again, please share, subscribe, like with your friends, uh, share, subscribe with your friends, like on iTunes, like on SoundCloud. Let us know what you think. If there's a topic you want to hear, you're like, man, Pate, man, Elliot, this topic was so one-sided. Actually, here's what needs to happen with concealed care. Here's what needs to happen with the assault rifle ban. Please let us know. We'll get you on the podcast. Yeah, we'll Ain't broaden nothing the, for us. Yeah, we'll broaden the horizons for sure, man. So uh, definitely, once again, we appreciate everybody for tuning in to us on the internet that we were just dissing not too long ago. But thank you for supporting us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is it, man. Uh, you guys enjoy your summer as it keeps on going. I hope I see some of you guys, if you guys are in the Omaha area, at some of the club spots I just mentioned. And we are out for a black guy and a white guy.